the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have likely heard me ask this question before. You will likely hear me ask this question again. But who is Jesus? I want you to really think about it. Who is Jesus? This is a central question that we must ask as both individuals and as a community, because the more deeply that we understand who Jesus is, the more deeply that we begin to understand who Jesus is calling us to be. If we don't understand who Jesus is, it throws us as a church into an identity crisis. But when we have a more clear idea of who he is, the more clear of what it is that we are called to be and who it is that we are called to be in the world. Now, maybe you might say, well, Josh, just read the gospel. That will tell you who Jesus is. And to that, I would respond, which one? Which one of these accounts authoritatively tells us who Jesus is? Even one of the stories that we've read today appears in all of the gospel accounts, and each of them have tiny differences. As Jesus feeds the multitude, does this begin, or does this happen at the beginning of his ministry, or does this happen at the tail end? Is there 5,000 men and women and children, or is there 5,000 people in total? Which of these accounts gives us the authoritative, actual picture of who Jesus is. An interesting exercise this morning would be to ask you, tell me who Jesus is, and then to go around the room, and don't worry, we're not actually going to do this. But imagine I were to ask you today to tell me, tell me about this Jesus that you follow. I would imagine that there would be some commonality between our responses. We would agree on some things, but there would be other things that would be unique to our own experience because each of us have been through, well, we've been through our own stuff. We have our own background, our own experience. Jesus has walked with us in different ways. And other people have walked with us, and they have shared their vision of who Jesus is. And maybe you're going through something this morning and Jesus has made himself present to you in some way and so he means something to you right now that he's never meant to you before. But the point I'm trying to make is that our answers would not all be the same. There would be a variety of experiences, a variety of visions, a variety of answers of who this Jesus is to us. And if I'm honest... My own answer would likely change depending on when you asked me in my life. Right now, I would say that I see and understand Jesus both sacramentally and relationally. Like these are the ways, the lenses through which I see Jesus now at 38, but it hasn't always been that way. And when I was young, I was infatuated. I mean mesmerized by the miracle stories of Jesus. Jesus seemed more like a superhero than a savior. He always had the answer to every single situation. He was the solution to every situation he ever walked into. He was always one step ahead of every single one of his adversaries. 
He had to explain things to his closest friends. No one seemed to understand what was going on until Jesus explained to them what was going on. And not only this, he gave sight to the blind and he healed the lame and he raised the dead back to life. It seemed as though Jesus walking on the earth was the picture of pure power, miraculous power. And I can remember in my middle teens the first time that I read the 14th chapter of John, in which the gospel author tells us that we as followers of Christ will do even greater things than Jesus. Wait a second. Even greater things than Jesus? What could Jesus not do? And at the time, I was 14 or 15, and I thought, I got to check the scoreboard here, but I've, I've never given a blind person their sight back. I've never healed a lame person. I've never brought anyone back to life. At what point will these things start happening for me? When will I begin to participate in these greater things than even Jesus has done? You've also heard me say this before. But if we are not careful, we can become distracted by the miraculous. The miracles make up a very small portion of the gospel stories. In fact, if we compress them together, they're repeated. So we can't even count each single one. In fact, Jesus spends almost as much time eating with people as he does performing miracles. And so if we concentrate too much on one aspect of who Jesus is, what we end up with is a one-dimensional flat picture of Jesus where Jesus becomes more like something of a cosmic vending machine where we never actually have to have any type of relationship, but when we are in need or we have desire, we go in and we put our spiritual quarter in and we get whatever we need and then we don't come back until we have a need or a desire again. But this is not who Jesus is. And this is not the picture, the relationship that Jesus desires to have with us. Jesus is a historical figure, a person, flesh and blood, who existed in time and space, contained in one human being who experienced all of the things that you and I experience. He had parents and relatives and friends. He had inside jokes, and he felt loss and pain. All of the things that you and I experience, Jesus in that historical space, felt those things too. And then somehow, miraculously, Jesus was no longer contained in this one person, but he was available in everything, everywhere. To borrow a phrase from Richard Rohr, we live in a Christ-drenched world. A world where Jesus is available to us in every single place and space that you and I exist. Jesus is revealed. And so you might be asking, what in the world does any of this have to do with our gospel reading this morning or any of our other readings? Our gospel reading is unique this morning because we get two stories, two miracles for the price of one. Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry in the Gospel of John, and he is with his disciples, and 
people are just clamoring to be around him. They want to hear the next thing that he will say. They want to see the next thing that he will do. But they are unsure of who he is. And they are asking the same question that I've asked you this morning. Who is Jesus? And so they were following after him to see. And they've been following him for a while now. And they haven't eaten. And Jesus knows this. And so he turns to his disciples. And he asks them how they will provide for these people. These thousands of people. And one disciple says, even if we had six months wages, we couldn't feed, even begin to feed all of these people. And then I, I can be a sarcastic person, so I, I hear the next disciple saying almost sarcastically, well, we've got a couple of loaves and fishes from a boy's lunch. Maybe we can feed people with that. Once again, Jesus is one step ahead, and he knows exactly what he is going to do. And he blesses this small lunch, and he breaks it, and he begins to provide for everyone who is there. The miraculous happens, and there's more than enough. There's so much they fill 12 baskets full after. And people who were there to see a sign have now witnessed this, and they say to themselves, this must be a prophet sent from heaven. The miraculous leads to a revelation and a realization of who Jesus is. Now Jesus and the disciples depart. The disciples go out on their boat and Jesus is on his own. And the night begins to grow dark and a storm begins to brew. And the disciples are out three to four miles off of the shore. And suddenly off in the distance, they see a figure coming towards them, walking on the face of of the water. I'm just going to name it. This is weird. They've probably never seen anything like this before. And not only that, but the water, like the ocean and, and lakes, these places in Bible times were chaotic. They were as dangerous as the wilderness to these people who needed to be grouped together in kind of an agricultural society, but they, they gathered together for safety. So to be on this water, especially in the midst of a storm, this was a dangerous place. And they see this figure walking towards them, and they know Jesus, and they've seen his miraculous signs, but here now in this moment— Seeing Jesus do something miraculous, they do not recognize him. And they are terrified, and they don't know what to do until Jesus calls out and says, It is I. Do not be afraid. The people who knew Jesus most intimately and most closely did not recognize him through the miraculous, but they recognized him when he called out to them, when they heard his voice, because they were in relationship with him. The miraculous was fine for the multitudes, but for those who knew him, they needed to hear his voice. This is how they recognized and knew Jesus, not as a superhero or cosmic vending machine, but as their friend. My prayer for us as a community, is that we will be a people who hear the voice of God in all of creation 
and see his face in every person we meet. Amen.